0: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Only 30 minutes are almost up, Swindon fans. But you're not there yet. And it goes! Oh, it's gone in! Bridger left foot in! What a volley! It's the stuff of champions! It's the stuff of dreams! Donate. races it on goal, and donate 3-0! The Amex goes wild! What a goal! And now Murray could be in. Mistake from Tompkins. What a goal from Glenn Murray. He's hardly had a touch. On he'll go, Michael Smith. Into what he's done! Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Together, a Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. Uh, We have a lot to cover this week. Uh, We are looking at the Tottenham Hotspur game and the upcoming international break is looming uh, for better or worse. I don't know how you feel about it. Uh, It's particularly bad for me because uh, for two reasons. Um, I'm a Chicago Bears fan as well and it is their bye week next week. So I don't even have uh, the NFL to tune into. So both of my teams are not playing at all next week. Uh, And usually the England games are on uh, when I'm either at work or a bad time for me to watch. And then the following weekend, I'm having a weekend away for my wedding anniversary. So uh, I wish I could have timed it a little bit better uh, and done the decent thing and got married a week before. Um, so I could have gone away on the international break, but alas, uh, I was selfish and picked a date that uh, coincides with the football, so I don't know how I'm going to manage to watch the Villa game uh, without being beaten up, but I'm going to try. So, we have five stories, as always. Um, i I worried that we weren't going to get a uh, a lot to talk about this week because there's normally two of the stories are always like concrete right the game we've just played and the game that's coming up but we don't have a game coming up now for two weeks so uh, I didn't want to do that until next week but uh, actually there was plenty to talk about uh, I've decided to do a bit of a around the club um move uh, so we have plenty to talk about so let's start at story number five and story number five is actually the newest story or the most latest story of the week uh aaron connolly um has been called up from the under 21s irish squad to the senior squad uh under mick mccarthy uh a lot of Irish fans online have been calling for him to be promoted to the main squad now for a couple of months, uh, ever since he, pretty much the beginning of the season, uh, they've wanted him to be tried out in the senior squad. Mick McCarthy has had absolutely none of it, um, so they are, I'm sure they're delighted to see their man get called up, and I'm sure they're even more delighted to see their man uh, perform how he did this week against Tottenham. Um, he will be playing uh, or aiming to start uh, in the two Euro 2020 qualifiers that we have, or rather Ireland have, Georgia and Switzerland. Um, so both teams that, you know, they can definitely play and get some points from. Um, it's not like they're playing the Germans or, the, you know, the Spanish or whatever. Uh, those two games are a great bit of exercise for Connolly if he gets on. Um And, you know, I believe Island are actually top of their group right now. So it could be a big thing for Conley to fire them ahead. Uh, Looking on the club website, um, you know, he obviously aims high. He hopes to get the chance at both levels. uh, And it looks like he has, right? He started unbelievably. Uh, What a debut he had this weekend. Um, And then, you know, it's someone to definitely keep our eyes peeled for this weekend uh, or this week coming up. Um, This could be quite the month of October for Aaron Connolly, so uh, everybody should be keeping an eye on him. Um, I hope that he does exactly what he says on the tin with uh, with uh, with his performances and continues to bag, um, because he was excellent uh, for the Irish Under-21s last time uh, when we went on those reviews that we had uh, for... The Ireland games, sorry, the under-21s last time in the international break. uh, Connolly was absolutely fantastic. Um, He assisted that goal, was was it Greenwood? No, it wasn't Greenwood. But he assisted a goal uh, and looked the an absolute live wire. And hey, well played to him, good for him, um, delighted for him. Story number four is our other young gun, uh, Stephen Alzate. Signed a new contract this week. Great news. I'm sure that everybody uh, can, be, can be absolutely delighted with this. Uh, I believe it was the 4th of October. Um, he signed a new contract uh, after making his debut last month. Um, he also had an interview on the club website. He's super proud. Uh, he's happy with the club's faith in him. Um, you know, he, he he notes that everything has happened quite quickly. Uh, he's just trying to get on with it and learn as much as he can. Um You know, this is what happens when you have a man that wants to develop the youth. uh, And he knows that. He's thanked Graham Potter for the chances. Uh, Aaron, it's interesting. uh, Aaron Connolly and he moved into the first team changing room uh, when they got back from preseason. So, you know, having them come into the main squad that early obviously settles them in. Um, And that people management skill coming in again uh, from Graham Potter. But Stephen Alzate... Uh, not only that, but he also earned a performance of the month versus Newcastle uh, last week, last month uh, for his left wingback debut. Um, he's made three appearances so far this season. Played as a left wingback, played in central midfield this weekend uh, on his home debut, and has already, as above, got a new contract and a performance of the w- month award. Not only that, but he's more comfortable in his central midfield role. Uh, so the fact that he got a performance of the month award for uh, a position he's never really played in before, says so everything you need to know. Uh he has made uh he has played for two hundred and sixty eight minutes so far. Uh he's averaging naught point three shots per game. Uh that is less than any other central midfielder we have um, I did a comparison with him, Dale Stevens, proper, and Moy, uh, because that is the position he likes to play in the most, despite the fact that he has played in left wing back a little bit. Uh, his pass accuracy is 87.5%, only Dale Stevens is higher, at 88. Uh, proper and Moy, 84% and 75% respectively. Uh, makes sense for Moy, he's more of, a, or at least he's been operating more as like a sh- shadow striker than he has been um, a midfielder. Uh, But he was also committed less fouls than Proper and Stevens. Um, And given he has played left wing back too, like that's super impressive, right? Like he's playing a more defensive role um, against more tricky players with wingers. And he's committing less fouls uh, than Proper and Stevens. Uh, 0.7 a game to their 1.5 and 1.3. But of course, going forward uh, is where he really shines um, compared to his central midfield counterparts. Again, it's going to help that he plays left wing back every now and again, but uh, he's been fouled on average two times per game. Um, Dale and Davey 0.5, Moy 0.2. Um, he is second in key passes behind proper, uh, which, you know, even at left wing back or central midfielder, uh, the fact that he has gotten so many uh, key passes in the games that he's played so far speaks a lot to the impact he's already made. Uh he has uh, successful dribbles. Um, he is second only to David Proper as well. Uh, not only is this given a good idea of the value that Alzate is bringing to the squad already, um, You know he's done excellent wherever Potter's put him. Um, and good job Albion signing his name to a new contract early on before he starts being worth a lot more money. Um, but it's clear he's already showing his worth in the side, let alone the squad, uh, competing with and producing numbers to rival or even beat the other three central midfielders, he probably will be competing with in time. Uh, the problem, the only problem we have is his comfort in shooting. Uh, to be honest, that screams the, to be the biggest thing to work on. Uh, we've all seen him um, shy away from taking a shot when it seems obvious. It's the only thing we need him to get to work on. Um it also probably helps highlight just how good Proper has been this season, uh, a couple of those stats there. You know, he he's, he's made the most key passes in our central midfield. He's made the most successful dribbles in central midfield. Uh, he's, you know, he's still got a very good pass accuracy of 84%, despite going forward more. Um, and I think Proper's got one or two assists to his name as well, so... David Proper, uh, get well soon, please. Um, Wasn't in the squad again this weekend. Uh, They believe it was a hamstring injury. Uh, Apparently it was a hamstring injury that started it all in the first place. Uh, He has two weeks to rest up. I'm sure he hasn't been called up to the Netherlands squad because he can't play. So please get well soon uh, because he is really important to this team. Um, And despite the result at Spurs, which we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, he is still should be one of the first names on the team sheet. Uh, It's just a case of who on earth does he replace after that performance. (laughs) Um, Story number three. So we haven't really spoke about them much so far this season. Um, But story number three is the Women's Super League. So let's talk about them now. Um, How are they doing? Well, the biggest thing to note is that they are back at the Amex on Sunday, November 17th against Brum, uh, Birmingham City. Great opportunity for everybody listening in the UK to pop down uh, and watch the ladies play in Brighton again. Uh, It is during the international break, so I know a lot of people like to go support smaller teams that need the numbers and support. They go to their Worthings or uh, Eastbourne or whoever. Well, um, the Women's Super League and Brighton need that big time, excuse me. Uh, They're only averaging a 1,000 people per attendance um, in the women's Super League. Uh, I read an article this week about uh, one of the big uh, women's footballers for England saying that they have a long way to go uh, before they can start talking about being paid similarly to uh, the men, which is... Uh, interesting. I think it's interesting the, the parallels, or rather the absolute no no parallel whatsoever between the English soccer players and the American women's soccer players um, and this equal pay stuff. Uh, the women's soccer players in England seem to be very much en masse saying that we are nowhere near uh, as a sport in general ready to be paid anywhere near what the men get paid. Um, and the message coming out of the USA is very different um, despite Attendance has been not similar, but significantly worse than even the MLS. So it's interesting to see those two um, differences. And if anybody from the U.S. who is into the women's football over here wants to give their perspective on why that might be, I'd love to hear it because uh, it's an interesting, it's a stark difference, um, the message that's coming out between the two. But the the fact of the matter is there's still only an average of a 1,000 people attending every women's super league game so they have a long way to go still um and albion are a team that are growing a lot they're putting a lot of money into their team um so if you can go i really recommend you do and who doesn't like going to the amex right it's a nice day out as opposed to going to worthing despite you uh you supporting a small club so how are they doing right now uh they are ninth place with two points uh from three games uh they are it's in a league of 12 Um, So for those of you who really don't know much at all, uh, there's 12 teams in the league. Uh, They are in ninth with two points, two draws and a defeat. So opening week of the season, uh, they held Bristol City away to a 0-0 draw. And Chelsea, uh, the following week or the week after, uh, to a 1-1 draw at home. Um, Their most recent game was an absolute thumping by Arsenal women, uh, 4-0. Uh, now, Arsenal are a team that are very highly thought of in the Women's Super League. For perspective, uh, they are like the Manchester City or Liverpool uh, of the Premier League, but in the Women's Super League, uh, they've been around for a long, 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 long time. Um, I can remember as a kid, like 13, 14, and they would show the uh, Women's FA Cup final match on BBC2 uh, some random afternoon, all the time, every every year. And it was always Arsenal ladies, ladies. Uh, I don't know whether, whether they're just Arsenal these days, because um, I know that they're trying to get rid of the ladies' tag, but they're a very good side. Uh, so, yep, yeah, we got thumped 4-0. For, <laughs> uh, for perspective on the other two, uh, Bristol City are 10th in the league uh, and Chelsea 4th. So, a draw away from home against a team that looks to be around our level so far uh, is always a good result. Um, just like, you know, Newcastle away, despite the way we played, Uh we probably should have won but a draw away against a team that uh, are poorer than us is always good. Um, and a draw versus a top si- a top four uh, women's Super League side uh, is excellent work. Chelsea fourth in the league. Um, I'm sure they're investing the same kind of money they're starting to invest in their men's side or have been. So excellent work so far from the girls. Uh, and you know, pop down to the Amex Sunday, November 17th if you live close enough to go and watch their games and you have the time and interest crack on. Uh, moving on story number 2 now we have a lot to talk about uh with the under 23s so we've talked about the women today uh, and now we're hitting the under 23s too because it's two subjects that uh, I do like to keep up to date on um and it's something that we haven't really talked about on the podcast this year uh, all the way through so that's on me um but let's do it under 23s uh recent result they beat south end uh, actual south end um in the in the leasing.com trophy uh, they're not far away from the next round. Um, for those of you who have not been paying attention to the lower leagues lately, uh, the Leasing.com trophy is the, uh, the. I don't even know what the official old school name of it was, but like the old Johnston's Paint Trophy, um, Checker Trade Trophy. Uh, they, it has a lot of names these days. Um, it'll always be the Paint Pot Trophy for me um, because I just don't care about it. But... I feel like the names are significantly getting worse. Somehow they outdo themselves every year. So fair play to uh, whoever it is that organizes that trophy, the EFL or FA, for signing deals to make them sound even worse every week Uh, because the leasing.com trophy is not something that I would imagine that uh, fans are clamoring to win. Uh, But Southend, uh, bottom of League One, or second bottom, I think, were uh, roundly beaten by our under-23s 2-0. Uh o'hora warren o'hora and hayden roberts hayden roberts of uh league cup fame uh, have been called up to our england youth squads this break so great work for both of them um good luck to them keep on doing what you're doing uh, because potter is noticing it uh, the team is noticing it keep doing it uh they're currently sitting fifth in a table out of 12 um manchester city at bottom ouch uh Says a lot for their youth development and the fact that they just like to bring players on from outside for a shit ton of money. (laughs) We have nine points from seven games. uh, Not far away from our senior team record, actually. Uh, Three wins, four losses, and zero draws. It's all or nothing for the Albion under-23s. You know, a mix of adult football in the leasing.com and playing amongst the best youth teams in the world. Um, is the reason we have people like Alzate and Connolly starting to emerge and Roberts and O'Hara and Longman and all these other players uh, coming through or starting to bloom at this level. Uh, we have a lot of them now on loan. Gio Keres, uh amongst them, who's also starting to start games in his league that he's on loan at. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work um, that the Albion put in. Over the last couple of well, almost ten years, um, and we're starting to see the fruits of our labour. Uh, they have Orient next in the Cup, um, winning that would guarantee qualification on another game. To me, uh, whether I feel anything about that trophy or not, it is huge for them to compete to keep competing uh, against men um, and not under twenty threes with them. Uh, I think it's a different level of football altogether, and I'm glad that they're getting that opportunity. Uh, I wish. The one thing I do wish is that they decided where they were playing and stayed there. Um, Looking at the fixtures uh, that they played, you can see they're playing at Crawley, they're playing at Lansing, they're playing at the Amex. Um, Nobody knows quite where the under-23s are going to be playing week after week. uh, And I think that's going to hurt their attendance, despite the fact that it's free to season ticket holders. Um, I'm not sure what the price is for non-season ticket holders, but... You know, if you wanna if you wanna have people encouraged to come down and watch Under Twenty Threes, uh, changing their location every week isn't going to help. Um couple of notable uh sections on the under twenty threes here. Sorry, a car just absolutely revved past my house for no reason, uh at Sunday at nine forty eight AM. So rude. Uh but Spurs, Liverpool, City all sitting below us in the table. Um, all a testament to our strength when building our side. Uh I actually have uh, one of my one of my pals uh, posted this in a WhatsApp group, and I wanted to share it. Um, he's more than welcome to claim the fame if he listens. Uh, I don't know if he does. I don't think he does. Um, if he doesn't, then tough luck. Uh, but, you know, he said it better than I ever could have uh, in regards to the long-term project, the are built-in our, and our infrastructure. So... Uh, he was talking about the game yesterday. Uh, he says, "Just watched the game again, um, hand on heart." Uh, and this is for all of you, really. Uh, all loyalties aside, um, is there another club on this planet that has a better top team of four um, that rule the roost than Bloom, Barber, Ashworth, and Potter? Uh, the owner, chairman, CEO, director of football, and head coach. Um, genuinely, they are very. They are each individually very highly qualified. Uh, on top of their topic, aligned with the vision that they all have together, uh, intelligent, competitive people who seem to know exactly what management is about in its simplest form, optimizing the deployment of limited resources and getting the most out of them. Uh, there have been many times in the last two years uh, that he has questioned what the hell's going on here. Um, but when he sees the interview, uh, which was an interview with Ashworth um, yesterday, which is well worth watching if you can find it Uh But when he sees that interview interview, uh, and he saw the performance we had yesterday um, and the interviews that Potter gave afterwards, the measured response um, and the atmosphere that it generated every time we poured forward, uh, it fills him and honestly me and everybody else, I hope, with bags of confidence. Um, The BT Sport guys uh, that interviewed Ashworth, again, really worth watching. Uh, I'm sure you can find it on Twitter or somewhere. Um, They asked all the difficult questions. Um, including the old how long do you stick with your pretty football philosophy uh, before you decide to change and grind out ugly results. Um, And the Albion as an 11 gave the perfect answer today. Uh, Many fans of other clubs talk about the physical infrastructure we have put together uh, with the the stadium, with the elite performance centre, Uh, But our intangible infrastructure, the top four men mentioned earlier, is our biggest asset by a million miles. Uh, Fills in with great happiness to think that this is his club. Uh, And honestly, if there is a club on planet Earth with a better top four, let's hear it. Uh, And I could not agree more. Um, The the future proofing that Tony Bloom has done to ensure that this is a team uh, and an organization that genuinely is in every position to become a legitimate uh, top 12 Premier League side uh, is just unbelievable. And I know it's not going to happen this year. Um, maybe by some great miracle it does. Um, but I think we need to keep ourselves very firmly grounded, despite the result <laughs> yesterday. Uh, the fact of the matter is we are very much... All moving in the right direction. And everybody that we have pulling at the very highest level are elite human beings. Um, We have a lot of reasons to be cheerful, people. That's my sanity check for this week. (laughs) Uh, But story number one um, is the Tottenham Hotspur game, right? We have a lot to talk about. Uh, So let's talk about the good. Um, So the good, uh, it looks like today... Uh, Yesterday, rather, uh, Potter found the perfect spell to whip up and cast on Spurs. My goodness. Um, We finished with 47% possession. That is a far cry from the type of possession football we've been keeping with uh, in the recent weeks. Um, But we looked far more dangerous with the ball than we have in some time. Uh, And the difference to me was all in the starting 11 that Potter put out there today. Uh, We started out with a back four um apparently but as usual it was so flexible uh, you genuinely never knew if it was three four five at the back at any given time um the commentary team kept saying that it would change in phases phases of play excuse me uh every time we go forward they change to a back three or every time we did this they go to a back four uh when the reality is we just we were just fluid as hell Um, I don't think there were specific times when we changed uh, based on phases of play. I think they just changed as they felt comfortable. It was crazy. Um, And it predictably gave Spurs all sorts of problems. Uh, They had no idea what to do with it. Um, But key to all of it was the introduction of Aaron Connolly into the starting 11 uh, without injury streak. It wasn't just that he's a talented striker, uh, which he showed himself very clearly to be uh, indeed, but that we now had a front three uh with two of them pacey. Uh I've spoke about this in recent weeks. Um the build up, the lack of chances taken, um, and the difference today was a huge one. Uh in recent weeks we've been operating with a front three of uh, Moy, Mopai and Gross, uh Besuma, Mopai and Gross, uh Murray I think, Mopai and Gross. Um now what do you see when you talk about those three players up front? Uh any of those combinations, right? It's plain as day. Um, only one of those front three can damage teams on the counter-attack. It was one of the reasons we were so toothless last year, uh, because all we had was Murray going forward um, on the counter-attack. Yes, Pascal Gross can deal damage with his passing. Uh, It showed at Newcastle, because although it was 0-0, he was absolutely superb, finding spots that you never thought he had any right to find open. Uh, But when you lose that second player with pace, um, Potters side becomes rather one-dimensional. Um, you have to keep the ball. You have to work it slowly. You have to hope to carve out the chances uh, through passing the ball around, uh, relying on your technical players uh, to get you uh, to the other end, carve out chances, um, and score them when they come. Um, and teams know that they aren't in any danger from a counter counterattack uh, en masse when they have Moy, Mopai, Gross, Murray because um, if they can corral mopi, they're safe, right? Um, and they can you can see it. People pile forward with no worries about too much of a counter attack. It leaves us one option. Uh, and as you saw against Watford and Southampton, even went down to 10 men, right? Uh, we play best when we play those cutting through balls to pacey players uh, as well as keep the ball, uh, not player players. Um, look back at Watford goals, uh, the Watford goals we played. Uh, when we battered them 3-0 at the start of the season. Uh, compare them to today's, right? A mix of smart build-up play around the box for the first goal uh, for Decore and Aaron Connolly's first goal. Um, all around the box, playing the ball, smart, short passes, possession football, goal. Bang. And then rapid counter attacks. Uh, hello, Lewis Dunk, by the way. <laughs> Second time uh, we're talking about you uh, with rapid cutting through balls. Uh, the ball to play Mo through against Watford was just exceptional. Uh, and the through ball uh, today for, or yesterday for Aaron Connolly was just outstanding. Um, it left them h- utterly helpless. Uh, you never knew what they were going to do. You never knew where we were going to build the ball up slow um, within their th- final third or whether we were just going to bang a long ball forward um, and have Mo Pye and Connolly to cause them all manner of problems. Uh, and if you look back, because I watched a crap ton of them, um, and these ones are easy to get access to. So if you go back and watch the Ostersund games um, against Arsenal and Galatasaray, uh, you would think that it was the same team in different kits sometimes. Um, even the highlights tell the tale. Uh, but honest to God, you'd think that they were the blue and white stripes of Brighton. Um, the The similarities between the way we played... Uh, against Spurs and Watford, um, and the way Osterson's played against Arsenal and Galatasaray, it's insane. Uh, he is very much going back to his original blueprint of the way he likes to play football. Um, and we are just all over it when we have that opportunity to have two people up front with pace. So thank God he did it. I'm glad. It's been coming for a while now. Happy to see it. Uh, so 17 shots to their eight. Uh, Absolutely unbelievable stat there. Uh, I believe that Aaron Connolly had more shots on target uh, than the entire Spurs team. I believe that was the stat I read yesterday, uh, which is outrageous. Um, We dispossessed them more. We won more headers. We won more loose balls. We forced them into needless errors more than anyone else. Uh, Now, everyone was fantastic. The game itself was just an absolute spectacle. Um, We were perfect all over the pitch. But let's talk about... Uh, My top three uh, for the game. So, first up, Aaron Moy. What a different player. He looked against Tottenham when not required to play a striker-type role. Unbelievable. Uh, 88 touches yesterday. Uh, Next most was 74 for Montoya. To say he ran the game, putting it mildly. My God, everything seemed to move through him. Uh, He racked up a shot, a key pass, 72% accuracy, a pass accuracy um, as a genuine attacking type midfielder. He won a foul, uh, five successful tackles, four interceptions to his name. Nobody else even comes close defensively to the work he did. And all the passes and touches went through him forward. Unbelievable. Um, Primarily playing behind the strikers on the left-hand side of the midfield worked wonders. Uh, he was almost a left winger at times um, because, you know, we had no natural win back there. So he and Dan Byrne seemed to just play off of each other and it went incredibly well. Um, the idea, if you have told me in the summer uh, after signing Aaron Moy, yeah, uh, we're going to play Aaron Moy and Dan Byrne, uh, that centre back lad, uh, as a left sided full back attacker. Um, we're just going to combine them both together and see how they do Uh, and we'll put three pass spurs with them Uh, you would have been laughed out of the room but my god they made it work Uh, he was majestic Aaron Moy you have just made up for your first two piss poor performances because you were unbelievable Uh, next up Pascal Gross Uh, I cannot keep saying enough good about this man Um, I am just in love with him again this year he really has gotten back to his best. Um, he is just unbelievable. Three shots, one on target, three key passes again. <laughs> like, uh, he operated almost entirely as a right winger um, at times. Popped up everywhere, though. Um, he also did his defensive duty, uh, to successful tackle, successful blocked shot. Uh, he was doing work, tracking back on counters. Uh, despite his lack of pace, you saw him track back incredibly well. 84% pass accuracy, six crosses, three of them considered dangerous, including the one we scored from, right? Six long balls, four considered dangerous. Through Two through balls, one considered dangerous. Uh, the guy had a monster game, um, and he is looking better than ever before. Pascal Gross, when he is producing that kind of performance with two players that can run onto his balls, uh, is just unparalleled. In that squad. He is so dangerous. And he can create something from absolutely nothing. Uh, the amount of drag backs and cruyff turns yesterday. Uh, was highly entertaining. Because he is still the best in the world. At a goddamn cruyff turn. And no one can convince me otherwise. Uh, for a man who doesn't have a lot of pace. The fact that he can just break people's ankles with that move. Every week. And no one learns. Is just beyond me. Um, of course pretty obvious to know where my final shout out is going to um aaron Connolly, right home debut and ruled the roost against the spurs defenders all day uh he and mopai linked up immediately within the first couple of minutes um and you knew it was going to be a fun partnership that yesterday uh despite their size you know neither of them at all uh aaron's pretty big uh looking but he isn't tall uh they both held up the ball easily. Um, looked comfortable getting physical, uh, which was seen from Mopi anyway this season. Uh, but they held the ball up well. Um, they did the job that Glenn Murray has been doing, um, despite that lack of height. Six shots, three on target, two key passes, one two fouls in dangerous areas, scored two goals. Looks an incredible talent and got himself an island call-up in the process. Uh, that run he made... Um, Angle to keep himself on side for his second goal. That is the type of run you see from the very best strikers in the world. Truly. Go and watch it again and tell me you don't see Raheem Sterling make that run every week. That is a top class elite run. And a Brighton and Ovalian player of just 19 years old just made that run against the Spurs defense and scored. His first goal is the kind of goal you saw Glenn Murray score for fun in recent years. So he looks to have it all. <laughs> like how wonderful is it to see that um, him and Mopai looked as potent as anyone is going to get? Uh, and we have a huge amount of reasons to be cheerful now. Uh, nine points from our first eight games, we are ahead of our point per game metric. Um, unbelievable, awesome, brilliant! What a what a great result going into the international break, uh, and we come back with games that are a lot more winnable uh, than the last couple. Uh, i tell you that. And hopefully we can get a couple of players back, right? Because that's my only bad for the week. Because we do have good, and there was a lot to talk about, but the only bad for the week we have um, for me is the sheer amount of injuries we had that didn't come back. Uh, Solly March and Johan Bach only made the bench. Proper didn't even make the bench. Trossard is still not ready to go. Uh, we have a lot of work to do um, to get those men fit and ready to go. Uh, luckily the first 11 um, look untouchable after this game so you know uh, but I would like to see them back sooner rather than later Um, that is about all I've got time for there will be an episode next week of course uh, as with every international break Um, so enjoy your international break enjoy your week off Uh, I won't I don't think you will either um, but I'll see you all next week for episode 54 uh, and have an excellent week people be safe are you a tackle football fan kick off your day with an episode of Colts corner a passionate Colts fans discuss the latest news around Indianapolis Colts football you don't want to miss us Follow us on Facebook, Colts Corner One, and on Twitter at Colts underscore Corner One and all major podcast platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.